right, so this bit is going to be, um, before anything else you're going to hear, we, we are having a normal conversation about the podcast, but we figured that this is serve its own segment. It's been a huge deal for us, as, not only as American people, but also as people and members and allies of the LGBTQ community. Mm. Uh, last week, there, of course, you guys all know, there was a deadly shooting in polls in Florida, Orlando, mm-hmm. on Orlando, Florida, uh, where I think the last time I saw it in the news, 49 people had been shot dead. Yep. And 52 or 53 of them were still injured, and yeah. some of them were in critical condition. Yep. And this happened not, and I've been seeing a lot about it on Facebook and in the news, being referred to as an act of radical Islam and as an act of terrorism because the shooter happened to be a Muslim person. Mm. And while there may be some small ounce of truth to, to that, mm. we don't know. I don't know how the killer thought. I don't know what the killer's motivations were. Um, there's something inherently wrong about polit- politicizing this shooting in that way. All right, This isn't mm. about radical Islam. This isn't about... Um, an entire religion that's coming to America and hurting us within our borders. Mm-hmm. This isn't about that. This is about a systematic. This is about a systematic hate pattern that's been going on in this country for the last eighty years regarding mm-hmm. the LGBTQ community. Mm-hmm. Right? There's there's been rumors that this person was part of the LGBTQ community as well. He was found on gay dating sites as well. Mm-hmm. He was also a frequenter at the bar. This isn't someone that acted on behalf of a god. Mm. This isn't someone that acted on behalf of a radical political organization. This is someone that acted on behalf of hate mm. and self-loathing. You, we may not have met this guy. We may not have ever talked to him. Mm. But we, as the American people, certainly created the conditions for this person to exist. Mm. We created the oppression. We created the self-loathing. We created the repressed lifestyle that these people have to live in. Mm. And we created the environment for someone to snap and do something as horrific as kill 50 people in a gay bar in their sanctuary. It's horrendous. And people are trying to blame any other facets. They're looking for a way out. But the only way out of this, the only person that is to blame, is the attitude towards the LGBT people that have been rising in the United States over the last 20 years and has been consistent over the last 80 years. All right? This isn't an issue of... Again, religion. It's an issue of humanism and an issue that we're pushing away a large subset of the people in the American country and it's biting us in the ass. Mm. All right. These are people that have been living with hate. When you tell someone that their whole life is wrong, that they're going to hell and you condemn everything that makes them them, you're going to get someone that's going to bite back. And sometimes they bite back like this. And even though it's horrendous, not all of us are free of blame. And I want us to know that. Everyone that politicizes this, and there's been a lot of people, you are not able to shift the blame away from yourself because you helped create that attitude. You helped create that systematic belief that gay people do not deserve the protections that they deserve. And the other thing that I've seen that has been annoying is that a week ago before this happened, people were concerned about how safe their kids were in transgender bathrooms. Mm. And as soon as this happened, people were praying for Orlando just like any other people. Mm-hmm. We live in a land of hypocrisy, and we live in a land where shit like this can happen because we fucking stoked the fire. And it's time to stop. It's genuinely time to stop. If you want to have a conversation about gay rights and about 
you know, um, LGBTQ community, mm. transgender right, and all those things. Stop blaming it on someone else. All right, this is on us now. It's not on anyone else. Mm. This is on us. We have created the culture that allow people like that shooter to exist, and we need to end it because he's not going to be the last one. Mm. And we need to stop. And we need to have a conversation not only about political uh, rights for gay people, but also about the blatant abuse of gun control laws. We need to ex- we need to have a conversation about stricter gun control, making it harder for people. He was under investigation when he got a gun, under federal investigation. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that the American people should not have guns. I'm saying that there needs to be a conversation to limit the access to those guns so that accidents, not accidents, tragedies like this, acts of malice like this, don't happen anymore, all right? Stop trying to shift the blame to a radical Islam. Stop trying to shift the blame to a deity. This is nothing more than our fault as a society, and we as a society have to fix it, whether you're straight, gay, bi, lesbian, transgender, asexual. I don't give a shit. This is on us now. So let's fucking pull our shit together and start fixing it. This is a social issue, not a religious or a political war issue. It's us. That's all I have to say about that. All right. Cool. Thank you guys for listening. The rest of the conversation is going to go away much more joyously. We're going to be talking about movies. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, this isn't about one person or one religion. This is about all of us. So let's get our shit together, please, as a country. Let's Let's get it fucking together. A sip of my beer. Get out uh, of this? Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. Thank you so much for the beer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm so excited <laughs> and I just can't hide it. <laughs> I hope that was the right song. That's, yeah. <laughs> yeah <it is. laughs> anyway, welcome back for the For Film Sake podcast. I'm Brian Archija and, and, and I'm Chris Lucky. And today we are going to be talking about foreign films, one of, one of my favorite sort of markets of film mm-hmm. out there foreign films but before we get to that mm. um let's do the the the, the catch-up the catch-up or the mustard as it's written on <laughs> yes. my partner's fucking paper the mustard <laughs> i love words um <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna get a little bit heavy-hearted so do you have anything lighthearted that you want to get out of the way i'm gonna get a little bit drunk <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a plan oh man no i mean there's a, there's a lot of like heavy stuff that i'm gonna you know Mention bring up too. and I'm, I'm sure you're gonna i'll just piggyback off that that right. stuff you know just so we can have it all in one general area um right. so but should, should what, i start or should you start oh no don't start me off with this sad shit okay. <laughs> <laughs> um i seen keanu the oh keanu. really how was yeah. it it's um it's, it's comparable to a movie called um Malibu's Most Wanted. Okay. You ever see that? And this with um, a guy named uh, Jimmy, Jamie Kennedy. It sounds familiar. Jamie Kennedy, uh, Anthony Anderson, and um, Omar or something, whatever. But, um, but it's, 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 it's just a, it's a farce. It's a comedy, a fish out of water story. Mm-hmm. Someone that has no business where they are and now they're in a gangster type scenario. Right. They have to figure themselves out in that setting that yeah. they're not familiar with. Exactly. Which is a pretty basic formula for comedy. Very, very much. Very yeah. basic. So I mean they they had that key and peel there you know they have black half white guys but they're just basically generic regular guys and yeah. they throw them into like the hood with the gangster people that are robbing people and they have no idea how to function and they just like make it up as they go 
the but my favorite thing about the movie is that it looks like the cat isn't it's like the the dog in john wick it's not about mm. the cat it's what mm. the cat stands for it is exactly uh, exactly and, like that and i think that's what makes it just a little bit funnier today. yeah yeah <laughs> it's it's it's, re- it's a really funny movie i give it like a good a solid b minus um just because it reminded me so heavily of malibu's most wanted it's probably a huge inspiration for that movie. I, yeah. I wish I would have. I wish I could have seen something like in the credits or online or a link between the two. Because mm-hmm. I'm like Jamie Kennedy has to be pissed. Like even <laughs> like they they took so much. Like the the main the two black guys that were like the uh, the thugged out gangster guys that were just mm-hmm. pretending in um in Malibu's Most Wanted. The name was um uh like blood truck. And like something else very stupid. Blood truck. Yeah. Like two days two days of very stupid blood truck and like something else. And in um in Key and Peel's movie, mm-hmm. Keanu is the exact same pre- premise. One of them was named Titanic and the other one was named uh, not Titanic, um Titanic? Tectonic. Oh, okay. Tectonic. Like I was gonna t- say it's a Titanic because he always tra- like drowns a ship. <laughs> no. It's, um, <laughs> one of his name is Tectonic and the other guy's name is um Shark Tank. yeah so it's just completely different very odd names or whatever it was very similar to the other movie but Uh, for for some reason that movie looks to me what would feel like if key and peel did an extended sketch it essentially is yeah Yeah. Yeah. i feel like that's what it would feel like essentially it is um i watched the lobster you've seen the lobster too i've seen the fucking lobster i've seen the lobster it was such weird fucking movie yeah just to start it off i mean it's the weirdest movie that i've seen i, I think in the last two three years Hold on, let me let me give a rundown for it colin yeah. farrell stars as david a man who has just been dumped by his wife to make matters worse david lives in a society where single people have 45 days to tr- find true love or else they're turned into an animal of their choice and released into the woods if it's not, not if i if, uh, if that's not a fucking premise <laughs> oh man I mean, you know that's not that's fucking and it's just okay mm-hmm. i went i went with a friend yeah and <laughs> we just said hey i want to watch the lobster i'm gonna pick you up we're gonna go watch a fucking lobster yeah and we get there and the movie starts and it's just sort of awkward silences mm-hmm. and uncomfortable mm-hmm. shots that last for like a little too long yeah but not long enough to be annoying okay mm-hmm. uh so like the cinematography looked gorgeous the yeah. shots were gorgeous yeah. particularly the shots where people were sitting around alone mm-hmm. um those were those were awesome really and it just it just felt weird and mm-hmm. uncomfortable and you were watching and you were like man i really want to get out of here okay well <laughs> the but at the same time you're like but i want to know what happens mm-hmm. that the lady that you know said she was going to kill herself kill herself mm-hmm. why did she kill herself uh why are they lingering so much and calling pharaoh just lonely staring out of, into space yeah for like 30 seconds a shot and yeah. it's just like it's a weird, fresh, new type of movie. Yes. And I had to go to, like, the fucking Maynard Theater, mm. which is, like, a tiny-ass theater, only two two screens. Yeah. And I had to go all the way down into the fucking city to watch this fucking movie. Oh, man. Um, So, I, I, and I'd been looking forward to this movie for a while, and it did, did not disappoint. Did you have a, fa- a favorite scene? Um, <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm going to name four. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, there's no spoilers, but there's mm-hmm. a one point where Colin Farrell is chasing a lady mm-hmm. through the hotel of the facility. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, the whole thing made me laugh. Okay. It was so ridiculous. Yeah. Because it's the lowest, it's the slowest foot chase ever. Mm-hmm. And the shots are so still, and there's no dramatic tension between the shots at all. Yeah. But it all just feels like, holy shit, do it. Yeah. And it's just. In terms of direction, movie has a very unique style. 
Yes. Of like, listen, you paid to watch this movie. Now you're gonna feel as uncomfortable as every one of these people is feeling inside the movie. Inside, yeah. inside the movie. Yeah. And then John C. Riley, oh, fantastic yes. role in that movie. Yes. The other guy that acted uh, with John C. Riley, the limping man. Yep. I forgot his name. No, I'm not gonna know his name. Um, but he also did a fantastic job. And I had two favorite scenes. Mm. At one point, the limping man has a daughter. Mm. And it's like, hi, say hi to daddy. Yeah. And say hi to daddy's friend. It means a lot to him. And the girl's going to go kiss him. And Colin Farrell just like kicks her in the shin. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and goes like, there, now you'll be more like your dad. Yeah, exactly, with the limp. <laughs> you'll be more what like your dad. Like, what the fuck yes. is this? My, my favorite scene is, um, so, so they're all at this hotel. And they're trying to like, couple off. Mm-hmm. And they're not exactly sure how to do it. Like all of them are very socially awkward. Mm-hmm. And um, at one, one scenario, uh, Colin Farrell, he's sitting inside of a hot tub with a with a, a lady who he thinks he might be a match with. But right. I mean, but they're so awkward, they don't even have small talk. They're right. just sitting in, sitting inside the uh, the hot tub in silence. So at some point, uh, the woman, the lady, she decides to just pretend she was going to die and drown <laughs> to death inside the hot tub. So she like she starts choking to death and just and falls choking into the water. Yeah, <laughs> choking, choking on an olive pit, falls into the water. Colin Farrell, no response at all. No response. Does No reaction. Doesn't even look over there at her. So eventually she comes up out of the water and then she catches her breath. She's like, I think we're a match. <laughs> he was like, yep, yep, I think so. I think we're, we're a match. I mean, it was... Uh... It was such it was satire yes. at its finest level. Yes. Because for me, the whole movie, I was thinking, man, this is exactly what modern relationships must feel to most people. Mm. You know, like, oh, they're so pressured by the people around them to find a partner, mm-hmm. get married, have a kid to fix a broken marriage. Yep. <laughs> and then all of it just felt like the person that wrote this movie and the person that directed this movie mm. both had sort of very bitter relationships at the time of writing and, and yeah or and just directing. a relationship just a relationship right. you know um but I, I i mean the movie has this message of like would you be willing to sacrifice mm-hmm. uh something for a relationship or someone that you really love you have to or would your differences be the thing that brings you together mm-hmm. like the movie had that sort of weird message and it was a cute movie oh yeah i mean it really was a cute romantic movie yeah but very dark. I and love very that twisted. type of stuff. I love it. Yeah. Jo- John C. Raleigh, last one. <laughs> John C. Raleigh's in the um, like the ballroom. Right. They're all sitting there, and then they um, I, what's I can't think of the lady. She's a British act, British actor. I don't know. You know what she I think. she runs the hotel basically. Right. Oh yeah, yeah. She's in Broadchurch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh yep, yep. Exactly. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. So um, so she goes over to John C. Raleigh and um, it's like we have on a very good authority that you've been masturbating in your in your room. It's like what? What are you talking about? I've been masturbating. <laughs> and she's like, no, you know good and well inside it because you, you can't masturbate there because they're looking for partners, sexual right. partners. So they know? they want you to be horny and aroused so yes. you can bang someone. Yeah, yeah, and he's got caught masturbating. So they bring over a toaster. Put it on this table, plug it in, and then force him to turn his hand into toast. In the toaster. It was so fucked up. And, like, I, I, went, with, I went with a friend of mine. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> shout out to you, Luis. And I went with a friend of mine. And there's point in the movies that I go, like, oh, my God, I fucking brought Luis into this movie. Mm-hmm. It's just, like, just awkward, stilted, fucking, like, parody of relationships. Yeah. And it's just awkward and broken, and you're like, ah, I should be alone for this. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. It was a very, 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 very good movie. It was. And I enjoyed the shit out of it. I recommend it hardcore. It's just, uh, and do watch it. Go watch the fucking lobster. Yes. It's really good. Uh, my last thing on the ketchup is Warcraft. 
Warcraft. Yeah. yeah. We talked about it a few weeks ago um, on the premieres. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I was a huge World of Warcraft fan. I love the video game. Which I didn't know until last weekend. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. A lot of things about me you may not know. <laughs> um, Warcraft. Um, I Sometimes played... you're a sleeper agent for I... the Horde. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah maybe. But the, um, I used to play World of Warcraft hardcore. Loved it. I was a hunter. Fuck with me. I will jump back on Warcraft if anybody wants some. Anyway, <laughs> World of Warcraft. Challenge them. Hey, come see about me. Come see. <laughs> so, um, so the movie came out, and I had no expectations whatsoever, mm-hmm. even though the um, the ratings for it were around 40% on Rotten Tomatoes, around right. around the same thing X-Men was. Which is about average for Rotten Tomatoes. Slightly below average. Yeah, that's it's bad. You know, mm-hmm. 40%. <laughs> like, you want, I want, if, if something is 70% fresh, I'll go to the movie theaters. Right. If it's not, then I'm not. I'm I not going to go. That one. But um, Warcraft was rated about 40%. Same thing as X-Men. But with X-Men, my expectations were super high because it was my childhood and my identity. Like, I identify with the X-Men. So it was a letdown when I finally did see it. But with Warcraft, I spent six years with this video game. Mm-hmm. You know, five, six years with this video game. And the fact that they gave me a visual representation through a movie about this video game that I played was just super bonus points in the first place. Right. I, I had no expectations for it. And the fact they, they were giving me the classes, they were giving me the areas that I spent 24 hours a day running around in Stormwind and Ironforge. And they let me see it on the big screen. Right. Like, I liked the movie a lot just for that. I, I've I've heard a lot about that movie being like it's it's a movie for the fans. Yeah, it's a movie for the fans of yeah. the franchise. Yeah. So I feel like the filmmakers didn't care if they made a movie that appealed to most people. Mm-hmm. They wanted to make a movie that appealed to the people that have supported them and supported the franchise. Yeah. For like decades. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. I think they did that. I think they did. they did that. Like if I if I didn't play World of Warcraft, if I went to see that movie, I wouldn't like it. Right. Wouldn't have cared about it. But the fact that I already went in knowing all of the lore and everything around it, then yeah, I loved it, man. Then yeah, that's pretty good. That's yeah. pretty cool. I mean that's paying back to the community that yeah. feedback into the I respect them for it. into the in, into the community that they created. I yeah, mean, that's a huge community. Oh yeah. Uh, so I'm glad that movie was good. Then it was it was good enough. <laughs> <laughs> it was good enough. Yeah. Uh, apart from the lobster, what did I watch? I watched Bo Burnham's Make Happy. Oh I don't yeah. know if I've talked about it. On the we talked about that already. Dimitri Martin uh, Make Happy thing. Oh last yeah, week. yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. <laughs> he sure did. We did talk about that. I rewatched it yesterday. Yeah. Um, because it because it just sticks with me. I mean, something about Burr Burnham's latest comedy mm-hmm. is just kind of sticking with me. And okay. I had like I had a moment where I was like super bummed out, mm. and then I just realized that I was just having like an anxiety attack because it was over. Uh, no, no, no. Like I was oh. just like intern, like I internalized the whole thing. Yeah. And I was just like, ah, oh, fuck. Oh damn. It's gonna be me in like seven years, maybe. And then mm-hmm. I and then I just started internalizing, and then I realized that maybe I'm just a selfish asshole that wants to make movies. Then I realized that I didn't care if I was a selfish asshole. Yeah. And then practically confirmed the fact that I was thinking like a selfish asshole. Mm. And then I laughed. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. That was my night last night. I was yeah. just like editing and going like, ah, fuck, what am I? Yeah. And then I figured it out and then I thought it was funny. That's, that's what I do with my life. Mm. Come on, get happy. Again, I'm sounding them song we'll be singing. It make you happy. I have beer, so I'll be happy in a little bit. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Things a possible alcoholic will say. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, guys, uh, we're back. We just took a little break. Uh, we're going to talk about foreign films. And foreign films are genuinely some of the most fascinating films that I think we're ever going to find out there 
Mm-hmm. Um, they're fun. Some of them are really quirky. And some of them just break the conventions of what we as Americans know as cinema. Yeah. So hardcore that we have that we have trouble watching them sometimes. Sure. Because they're awkward and confusing. You're like, ah, oh, what the fuck is happening? Mm-hmm. Sort of like Amelie. Amelie is a great fucking Love movie. It. Love it. But uh, and it's great at visual storytelling. Mm-hmm. It's every frame is there oh. for a reason. Let's get into it then. Oh, you you have Amelie on the list? Of course, I got Amelie on the list. <laughs> it's one of the best foreign films ever. <laughs> um, so, like foreign films have a way of breaking the the wall that American cinema has sort of built up in the film industry. Oh yeah, you know, it's a, Amer- for me, American cinema is kind of like like a tiny Berlin Wall. Sure, and the foreign cinema is just kind of the things that slip through the crack. Yeah. And they just go like, ah, well, fuck your wall. It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, I, and I really, really, really enjoy that because mm-hmm. film has become so sort of big guns and explosion. Yeah, I'm a tough bad guy. I got guns. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get laid. Fuck yeah. Yeah. Uh, and they've become so much of that that it's sort of oversaturated the American market. Mm-hmm. And when and it's only relieved when movies like The Lobster mm-hmm. um, come out, which are genuinely fun and quirky. I love that. And for me, foreign cinema is full of movies like The Lobster. Yeah, it is. And it's great. I think it's fantastic. Oh, yeah. Um, but Amelie, great, uh, sort of great visual filmmaking. Mm-hmm. You, know, it's, you, you, you get what the frame is doing without even having to hear a word of dialogue. Yeah. And in fact, no one says a word of dialogue except Early for on. the narrator in the first 10 minutes of this movie. Yep. Which is insane. The only other movie that did that um, was Space Odyssey. Space Odyssey 2001. That I can remember, did. yeah. Uh, where no one talks in that movie for the first 20 minutes. Yeah. Um, so it's like an ambitious thing. You, like To tell a movie like that cinematically, mm-hmm. tell a story like that visually, is really, really difficult. Oh, yeah. And I feel like foreign movies know it. So yeah. I'm going to let you take the flow uh, for a bit. Amelie. Yeah, Amelie was uh, 2001. And this is going to be the worst part about these uh, foreign films because I'm, you know, I'm American-born here, so I don't, <laughs> I can't, my accent is shit. So Jean-Pierre Genet. Yeah, that that sounds good for me. Uh, He's he's the director of Amelie 2001, and the lead actress is Audrey. Not going to even attempt her last name, (laughs) but Audrey. She's a beautiful young woman. If you've seen the movie, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. The uh, premise for the movie plot is Amelie is a fanciful comedy about a young woman who discreetly orchestrates the lives of the people around her, creating a world exclusively of her own making. Shot in over 80 locations, acclaimed director Jean-Pierre, what movie did he He did? The City of the Lost Children. I didn't Mm -hmm. see that movie. Uh, He invokes his incomparable visionary style to capture the most exquisite and charm of mystery in modern day Paris. It is a very whimsical movie. Very whimsical. It feels like a fairy tale. Yeah. Uh, That's that's another thing Mm. that I really like about foreign filmmaking. Uh, They don't go for the gritty and the... Depending on the dirty, they don't necessarily go for that. They can mm. go. They can go all the way through the spectrum. Yeah, they can. And, and they ignore sort of the stylistic choices that are so conventionally available to mm-hmm. us. Yeah, and it's it's just refreshing. Foreign films are refreshing. The uh, my favorite scene from this movie, and I, I can I can only remember like seven or eight mm-hmm. from this entire movie, and but it's brilliant because I'd never seen anything delivered this way visually before. Anomaly. There's a uh, there's a scene to where she's standing in the restaurant. And there's this guy that she's really infatuated with, mm-hmm. and you they, they, the camera is just focused on her, just standing there, and you can see her inhaling and exhaling. You know, her heart is racing, pounding, pounding, pounding. And then whatever happens, she realizes that the guy isn't interested in her the same way. Mm-hmm. And then in etern- internally, 
like what would happen is you just feel yourself melt right. like into nothing. And they visualize that. They just show her completely melt into nothing onto the ground. Her <laughs> body just becomes complete, completely liquefied and falls to the ground. You know, when she has that feeling. I mean, that's that's the things that I like in um I like in your boy too that we talked about last week. Edgar Wright. Edgar Wright. You know, visually showing me an emotion, visually showing more things that you're not that you shouldn't be telling me. Right. You know? Without making it over the top corny and cheesy. I mean, this this director, Jean Pierre, he did such an amazing job at visually capturing emotion. Right. So so I, I totally agree with that. I mean the movie does a fantastic job at capturing oh, yeah. what things feel like. Yeah. Oh yeah. Not what they look like. Mm-hmm. Just what they always feel like. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a hard, really, really hard thing to do as a director. Yeah. Genuinely. There's a, um, there was an odd guy in the movie, if I remember. He was like, um, he wanted to capture slices of people's lives. Mm-hmm. So he would uh, steal, not Polaroids per se, but uh, what, what are the things when you're in the photo booths and you take like the, the, the slide of pictures? Right. The, the, the film strip. Film strip, yeah. The film strip, yeah. strip of pictures. Yeah. yeah. So um, there was like a, a photo booth around. So he would take... Uh, film strips just of random strangers right everywhere that he went and then you know made a full photo album of it you know it's it's just it's a very odd movie but um i promise you you would enjoy it yeah but it's one of those light-hearted sort of feel good very light-hearted um type of like man this might be talking about some serious shit but i'm really Mm -hmm. enjoying myself at the moment kind of thing i was i was a bit sad just because i I put myself into amelie's shoes too much with her wanting love so much i mean it was i was at a similar time in my life i guess when i seen it Mm -hmm. that she was wanting so much and she had felt she had so much to give and no one paid her attention it it was as if as if she didn't exist in a world you know where so much was going on and, and they were in paris and just showing how how brilliant like the colors and um yeah the saturation of those colors was so good i mean the film so looks beautiful yes you, you have to watch it yeah. it's one of those things and like i said earlier the, it was shot in over 80 different locations fucking bananas yes yeah, so this film took him a good amount of time to shoot like mm-hmm. i mean he put a lot into it and, and it sh- and it shows i mean what what does it matter if you spend two and a half years making a movie when we can be talking about it in 20 years. Right. If, if you spend six months making a movie and I forgot about it already. Yeah. You, you know, like it, it really X-Men. matters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it really shows how much time was put into Amelie and it holds up. 2001 yeah, is 2016 now. 15 years later. Yes. And, and we're still talking about still it. Still talking about it. That, still talking I, I feel about like that's a telltale trademark of a good movie. It is. The, the timelessness of it. Yeah. Um, but we can always say that a movie is a product of its time, mm-hmm. but we can never usually say that a movie is timeless. Mm-hmm. And there's very few movies that achieve that. And I think Amelie's one of them. It did Amelie it. has a timelessness to it. It definitely did. Uh, same as Fight Club. Fight Club also has a timelessness oh, to it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Fight, Fight Club is timeless. This is a classic. This yeah, is a classic. absolutely. Um, but anyway, moving away from mm-hmm. Amelie. Yep. Uh, what's the next one on your list that you would like to talk about? My favorite. My favorite foreign film ever. What I, I did a... Um, I did the top foreign films of all times on a Google search just mm-hmm. to see which which ones that I've seen came up. And this one didn't come up, so I had to remember it and like type it in or whatever. The name is uh, Maria Full of Grace, 2004. <laughs> I, I've heard that name. And it's like, it, it wasn't listed as one of the better foreign films ever, but mm-hmm. this is my personal favorite. Uh, director uh, Joshua Martson mm-hmm. and starring Catalina Sedino Morano. Catalina Moreno. Sedino Morano. Moreno. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. That means like black or not black. Uh, no, Moreno. Negro. Moreno. It's like, what's Moreno mean? Moreno means uh, of dark skin. Of dark skin. Yeah. Okay. All right. Morano is just a last name. Okay. Yeah. There we are. With one letter. 
We got Fuck some... you, Spanish. <laughs> got a Spanish <laughs> update. Oh, yeah. Uh, Maria Fuller Grace, though. Uh, the rundown is it's about a, a pregnant Colombian teenager who becomes a drug mule to make some desperately needed money for her family. Jesus. She's 17 years old, now Maria Alvarez. She works in a flower plantation in Colombia, stripping the thorns from roses and uh, basically paying attention to her manager, who's a asshole like the whole time anyway <laughs> it's tough work and she doesn't take orders well no matter how hard she works the money never seems to be enough for her family mm-hmm. and um so basically a large guy named javier comes up to maria and he lets her know that she can become a drug mule and <laughs> and basically what this is she would have to swallow rubber wrapped pellets of heroin and transport them into the united states hey baby you want to work as a drug mule yeah you know you'll make a lot more money That's but it but if up. she fails there's nobody to save her and if one of those bags bursts inside of her stomach She's there's fucked. anywhere from 50 to 70 rubber pellets in her stomach yep each person taking anywhere from 50 to 70 pellets of heroin so i, I was sitting here watching the movie i was so intrigued so intrigued <laughs> <laughs> all right, i mean it's a fucking hell of an intrigue oh right there. yeah oh yeah because they're taking girl to girl to girl to girl, all under 18, all of these young girls, mm-hmm. and they took them into, like, this dark, shady, like, house area, and they have heroin just laid out everywhere. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, how are they going to get these girls to transport it? Like, and they're going to stick a whole brick of heroin up their ass? You know, like, like seriously, like, what are they going to do? So they're, they're taking, like, gloves, like, rubber gloves, mm-hmm. you know, and they cut the fingers off. Cut the fingers right. off the rubber gloves and then stuff as much heroin into the, the finger as they can and then, you know, seal it all together mm-hmm. and it makes like a small little pellet. Yeah. They they have to, they dip it in oil and olive oil and then have the girl swallow them one by one. Yep. One by fucking one. 50 to 70 of, the, of these things. So um, they finally, they, it's uh, Maria and six or seven other girls, they send them all on one plane together. Because um, they, they figure if um, if one person gets busted, then we still got six people that we're going to make a couple million dollars off of. You right. know? So one person, not a big deal. Um, so so they're they're on the plane, and Maria's starting to feel like not that great. She's starting to feel like one of them may have bursted in Ugh. her stomach. You know, so she goes to the bathroom, and then she's just like freaking the fuck out. You know, she doesn't know what's going on. And... Um, she found they finally get back they land everything turns out all right mm-hmm. and um they they get into america and the guys that are supposed to be paying them completely ripped them off oh. they ripped them off so bad and uh, one of the girls she's having a hard time like passing the pellets mm-hmm. in the bathroom and overnight one of the pellets bursts inside of her stomach she's beginning to od Jesus. and she dies that's a fucking bummer. so maria wakes up in the morning she doesn't know about this death yet mm-hmm. maria wakes up in the morning to find her friend inside the bathroom completely cut open like stomach completely gutted so they can get the remainder of those drugs, uh, drugs that she couldn't pass her own you know so at that point maria's like i done fucked up because <laughs> you know, she was having a problem like pooping him out herself you right. know and then she just sees her friend who she was just with the night before completely cut open body still there inside the bathtub so she tries to make um, a run for it she contacts some uh, some people who are supposedly her friends of family mm-hmm. uh, before she met left Columbia but they they can't help her out much I mean you know they're they new to America themselves and they yeah. don't have much themselves so they don't have much sympathy for her at all. So she's in a much worse situation in America than she was in, in Colombia, and she has no way of getting back. And now she has to finally think as an adult for the first time. She's like know, fifteen too. Seventeen, yeah. Damn, seventeen years old. You know, with that that thinking as an adult, she could have done that in Colombia and made her way out so much easier. But now, you know, she's surrounded in a complete drug underworld, and she has no idea how to get out of it. That's a fucking doozy of a film. It is. 
It's, it's my favorite. I love it so much. Really, um, really like it. Jesus. <laughs> Maria Full of Grace. Maria Full of Fucking Grace. Oh, yeah. 2004. Um, that, okay, that's the thing about... Um, there's something fascinating about Hispanic movies. Mm-hmm. Um, Spanish foreign movies have always had a, some sort of intrigue yeah. for me because they always like to tackle shit like that. They like mm-hmm. to tackle the the poverty-stricken land, what people will do to get out of poverty, yeah. that kind of stuff. And I, I reckon that happens because they are so ingrained in that culture, those kind of facets of society mm-hmm. are so ingrained in that culture yeah. that the only that filmmakers want to express that. Yeah. Uh, and it makes sense, but they do it really interestingly because they never preach for one side. Nope. They never um, sort of argue. They never put like pull your head over something. Yeah. They always kind of like just present you with these character situations, and they kind of let you draw your own conclusions. Yeah. Uh, the other movie that I, that I watched uh, was called Itu Mama Tambien. Yep. Which is a Mexican film. Um, that translates to and also your mother. Yeah. Um, I hated this fucking movie. <laughs> I hated everyone in this oh, fucking God. movie. Um, but it is a good movie. Mm-hmm. But I hated the movie. Okay. And my reason for hating it is, he's like, n- not everyone's an asshole in mm-hmm. this fucking movie. Yeah. Uh, there's one rich, rich kid who his dad is a, like a famous political figure mm-hmm. in the middle of this like politically ingrained conflict of Mexico. Yeah. Uh, during was it some sort of revolution? Uh, I can't remember. I, I think it was some sort of socioeconomical revolution. Okay. Uh, they're overthrowing someone from the, the Democratic Party mm. in Mexico, if I'm not mistaken. And so you see, like, th- these two kids, his dad's like a political official, this mm. rich kid that has the opportunity to have a great thing with his life. And then you have his this kid's friend, mm-hmm. who's just as much of a shithead, but poor. <laughs> yeah, yes. And the whole movie is just about essentially two horny teenagers that meet... Uh, this one girl who happens to be the rich kid's cousin, mm-hmm. and they say like trying to impress her to in order to get her to have sex with them. Yep. Uh, they say that they have a beach called uh, the the heavens heavens mouth. You got to watch this movie without subtitles. Uh, no, no, I'll tell oh, you what. Okay. <laughs> this is my other thing. It's fucking Mexican film. Yeah. What the fuck? I turned it on. I was like, I don't need subtitles yeah. for this shit. Yeah. I know fucking Spanish. Yes. As soon as the two dudes started talking, I was like, what the fuck are they saying? <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea what the fuck they were saying. So like 10 minutes into the movie, I'm like, ah, fuck, I got to put the subtitles back. Yeah. I don't know what they're saying. Yeah. It's just like. Andale, wey, pero que cosa, cabrón. Cabrón, te encabronaste. He's just like, what? what? I, I, can't, I can't deal with this shit. Yeah. I gotta put I'm going to have to read. I'm going to have to fucking read. <laughs> and it's like, the narration I could get, but it's a lexicon of Mexican Spanish that just uh, fucked me. Okay, yeah. yeah. Um, but and, uh, it, was, it was a good, well-made movie. Yeah. The shots were nice. Yep. The dialogue was really nice. Yep. The situations presented in the movie were really nice and mm. intimate. Mm. It explores nice things about, you know, male sexuality yeah. and what friendship is mm. and what it can lead to. And this lady whose husband just cheating on her yeah. and she had cancer. Yeah. That was a fucking bummer. Yeah. And it, it, it's, it's just a weird sort of Mexican film that they they show how one thing ripples across multiple yeah. lives and then they have to deal with that and mm-hmm. the friends end up never seeing each other yeah. after having sex with this lady. And then they find out through having sex with this lady that each independently of them had sex with the cousin. Mm-hmm. But then they find out that the rich kid fucked the slightly less rich kid's girlfriend and the slightly rich, less rich kid girlfriend uh, fucked the rich kid's girlfriend. So they're just like 
just there's penis and vaginas going all over the place in this movie. Yeah, a rundown for it is um, a 2001 in Mexico, two teenage boys and an attractive older woman embark on a road trip and learn a thing or two about life, friendship, sex, and each other. And the movie is very well known for the sort of raw sex scenes. I mean, they're mm -hmm. depicted very realistically. Yeah, yeah. Um, the drug use is also depicted very realistically. Sure. Um, the culture in which this kinds of mentalities and thoughts are depicted very realistically. Yeah, it seems authentic. Uh, they do want you to feel a sense of entitlement from mm -hmm. the rich uh, class that the kid is from. Yeah. And they, they present that very, very, very well. Mm -hmm. uh, the sound design was the only thing I had a problem with technically mm -hmm. with the movie. Okay. Because um, there's just a couple of things where just uh, before every narration, there's like two seconds of dead silence. Yeah. And that bothered me. Yeah. But technicality, the movie's done well. It is. Uh, the movie's well written. Mm -hmm. I just didn't fucking like anyone in the movie. I mean, the um, I've seen this movie some years mm -hmm. ago, but um, I had to connect. I, I sat today and I was connecting dots because, you know, we're, we're in film school now. Mm -hmm. And even before film school, I mean, I was very big on directors and then watching everything that directors ever made. Right. And then, you know, just zeroing zeroing in on what it is that they done they do well. Mm -hmm. And with this director, I'd never done this with. And I didn't realize the things that I've seen from him because, I mean, some of this stuff is recent. Mm -hmm. But uh, 2001, Itu Mama Tambi Yen. 2006 children of men children of men is regarded as one of the top five science fiction movies ever made that's the um, every firm of painting also did a, a a video about that movie about children of men uh yes nice. uh, it's called uh, don't ignore the background nice um because children of men does have a lot of elements in the background mm -hmm. that are always happening and the main character isn't always the main character no. in the frame yeah and so i he's a good director i mean he's good I mean, yeah, that's, I mean, I, I want to connect his, um, connect him like the thing, because mm -hmm. I didn't see what, what he was at E2 Mama Tambien. Right. It was just a movie that I'm like, this is so odd and weird, and I like it a lot because I don't get that from other places. Mm -hmm. Not so much because I love the movie, but it was just the lack of the presence of that kind of movie anywhere else. Yeah. Is why I, I this movie it. shows a lot of restraint. Yeah. Uh, because you can, I mean, you get a, uh, like a story like this and it's easy to, you know, fuck it up with over explicit sex scenes. Yeah, you could have. Over explicit drug use. Definitely could have. Um, but he restrains himself and he makes the movie happen very, very, very organically, mm -hmm. which I enjoyed. Oh, yeah. Uh, and it also, you know, when you talk about sexuality, uh, this is 2001. Mm -hmm. um, so I mean he's exploring male and male sexuality mm -hmm. and we see hints of that throughout the movie with these two best friends yeah. um, and they just kind of can't bring themselves to accept the fact that they might be attracted to each other yeah. and then only it takes this old this older lady to be able to do that to them yep. and it's fucking weird yeah. and you're like ah should I be should I be should like, I be in this like this is this feels very very intimate keep that oh, alright yeah. there we go hold on to that to that moment I don't know if you've seen Children of Men so much but I mm -hmm. know you've seen Gravity Yes. No, I have. I I haven't seen Gravity. Oh shit! Shit. Yeah. But go on because I know I know enough about Gravity. All right. Sa same director, mm -hmm. Alfonso Curion. So he did he did Itu Mami Tambien in two thousand and one, then Children of Men in two thousand and six, mm -hmm. and then Gravity in two thousand and thirteen. Right. And you can see the same way I was looking with your boy from last week with um, mm -hmm. Edgar that the the one thing that is him mm -hmm. that is him is not the other writers that are that are there is not any. People, anybody that's helping him is the same consistent thing. I'm seeing ripples of 
how things are connected and you don't realize it, right. I'm seeing despair and isolation yeah. in every single one. If you look at Gravity, I mean, how many movies are there about somebody being lost in space and being alone? Millions of them shits. Right. Millions of movies like that. Children of Men, there are so many science fiction movies to where it's post-apocalyptic the in- science fiction movies. So, thousands. That's insane. Thousands of them. And, and this E2 Mamatan Bien, how many movies are there where there's just guys and girls and they want to have sex and have fun? How many? So yeah. many. How many road trip movies? Yes. Yeah. Because yeah. it it's a road trip movie. It is. It definitely is. It definitely is. But I mean, he, he, he shows the ripples of how one person connects to another person and how that connects to another person yeah. so well. It's done probably the best in Children of Men. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, he shows despair and isolation so well. Even with E2 Mamitan Bien to where you have three people to where they're connected. Mm-hmm. Each one of those individual people are so alone, man. Yeah, each, you know, like the guy, both of the indiv- each individual guy, mm-hmm. the girl, everyone in that car is so alone, and they just want to connect. They want right. anybody that they can connect to and feel like something is real. Mm-hmm. They're you so know. desperate in a connection yeah. that they sort of drown themselves in loneliness. Yeah, yeah, because they can't form a legitimate connection. Yeah, and that's a, I mean, that's a difficult thing to do as a writer. It's a difficult thing to do as, as a, a director. director. Yeah. It's a difficult thing to do as a filmmaker mm-hmm. in general. Mm-hmm. Um, just to capture the the loneliness of life yeah. and how we are all sort of lonely together. Yeah. And I think that and this is what I like about foreign films. Mm. Foreign films are more likely to tackle that kind of emotional subject than any other American film. Yeah. Because foreign film isn't concerned with like how many millions of dollars am I going to get nope. with uh, Transformers 4. Yeah. They're concerned with like, how can I tell the story and still make money off of the story? Yeah. And, and and they're still related to money. I'm not saying that making a movie for money is bad, mm. but I'm saying that the foreign film market has that a little bit better than us. I don't feel the greed. I don't right, feel the greed yeah. there with the, the foreign films. It's just like, I want to keep working. I want to be able to make my money back for this. I'm mm. not trying to become a billionaire off this. I mean, and, and when you make a movie like that, you don't have to make make it so broad. Yeah. It doesn't have to be so broad to where everyone can relate to it in some type of way. Mm. I mean, with, with Itumama Tambien, 80% of people that watch the movie aren't going to be about to identify with the characters or the things that they're going through at the surface. Right. You know, at surface level, you can't just immediately identify with it. But it is such, such a good movie and shot so well. I uh, got to give them credit for that. Uh, yeah, that's another that's another facet about uh, foreign filmmaking. Mm-hmm. They feel like they have something to say. Yeah. They, because I think most of them, the ones that leak out and become part of a culture, yeah. uh, they have to. Yeah, they have to. Oh yeah, because otherwise we wouldn't pay any attention to them. Yeah, and so there's a lot of movies. Uh, I, I I was talking to a teacher, Lon. Shout mm-hmm. out to you, Lon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he gave me a couple of uh, recommendations. Yeah. Uh, for foreign films. Okay. And I I didn't get to watch a lot of these films because mm-hmm. I did get this list on Tuesday. Okay. So I'm still doing all of them, but some some movies of note uh that are along the same lines of what we were talking about mm-hmm. um bicycle thief it's an italian movie that's rated the number one foreign film of all time really it is it is really fucking good I and it's it. it's a really simple mm-hmm. intimate story the director who i didn't write down sadly mm-hmm. uh apparently it was real people yeah and i say that in air quotations they're not actors yeah. they're people and it's really authentic movie about a dad trying to provide for his kid yeah and it had something to say about the class struggles at the time it's a really great fucking movie nice uh, let the right one in. I uh, heard that one. It's a, if I'm not mistaken, it's a it's a movie. It's a it started as a book from New Zealand, mm. and it's been made into a movie and then remade into another movie. 
let the right one in is spelled like R I G H T, like regular. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Let the right one. Let in. the right one in. All right. Uh, it's about a vampire. No, nope. it's, it's a vampire story. Mm. No, no, you shut the fuck up and listen. Mm. It's a vampire story, but it's not focused on the vampiric aspect of it. It's focused on the morality right. of it, it. It tackles things. At least the book. I haven't seen the movie, but I've read the book. Okay. The book tackles subjects such as pedophilia. You know what people are really people. Can someone that's not human learn how to be human? It tackles a lot of those things. Mm-hmm. And I haven't seen their most recent one, but the original movie that Lon told me, mm. he apparently likes a lot. Sure. So I'm putting it in there. And then um, there's a movie that was a war. It was uh, Wings of Desire, mm. World War One. It was the one that I was trying to bring. Oh. Uh, Bicycle Thief is listed as the number one movie mm-hmm. in top four films. Yep. But uh, Wings of Desire uh, happened in World War One, mm. and it was a movie. Uh, it was the first real anti-war movie, mm. and I feel the the movie that sort of started out the foreign film has things to say. Okay. Um, because this movie was so controversial um, that Hitler uh, ordered to kill everyone that played that movie in their theater nice. and burn the theater down. Hell yeah. Um, so it was it was very anti-war. This is according to what Lon told me. Mm-hmm. So if anyone's got any information, take it up with him. <laughs> All right. If I'm if I'm incorrect, take it up with him. Mm. Um, but it's it's a movie that was so controversial mm. because it had something to say that it became a cultural staple. Yeah. Purely because it had a message that it wanted to say. The filmmaker had something that they wanted to say. Right. And that's the sort of that's a, the soul of film. Mm. Really, is having something to say. Yeah. And I feel like the American market has strayed a little bit from that. Mm. But the foreign market still has that soul, oh, like yeah. wrapped around its little. Sad shit. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. And I really, really enjoy it. Yeah. I'll see that. Uh, I have uh, Old Boy. Old, you seen Old Boy? One, hell yeah, I've seen yeah. Old Boy. Oh, yeah. Uh, Old Zoo. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the, the original, the good one. Yeah. I put 2013 down here, but not that one. No, not that's a two, Spike Lee. That's a Spike Lee one. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't even know that that's bad. I haven't seen it's, that. It's bad. Oh, you've seen it? I didn't, yeah. I didn't see that. So, it's you know, not... Okay, it's not... If it had not been an Old Boy remake, yeah. it might have been good. Sure. But because they have the label of old boy, yep. it sort of undermines a lot of the issues that old boy tackled mm-hmm. in the Korean version by making them a little bit more American. Uh, just didn't work. See, I didn't. I wasn't yeah. even going to give it a shot. It's like the, the expectations. Like I don't know why you want to tackle something like that. The ex, when everybody agrees that this is unanimously a very good film, yeah. it was like don't nah, touch it. Don't I can do better. Than, I can do better than already good. Like what? <laughs> <laughs> Read the fucking subtitles. Like, don't sheesh. touch it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but old boy, after being kidnapped and imprisoned for 15 years, oh, what is his name, Odesu? Oh, oh, yeah, Odesu. Odesu is released only to find that he must find his capture in five days. Right. <laughs> um, movie, that sounds like, that's a very simple run through of that movie. Mm-hmm. Movie is complicated as shit. Oh, yeah. It's um, so dark, it's demented, it's crazy. It's Yeah, it's dark, it's demented, mm-hmm. it's funny, yeah. it's sad, it's heartbreaking, yeah. it's intellectual. Mm-hmm. It has allusions to Greek stories, to yeah. like Greek gods. Yep. Um, Oedipus being one of Oedipus. them. Mm-hmm. Oedipus was the first motherfucker. Um, <laughs> there's there's a lot to digest in Old Boy. Yes, and it it's is. very 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 good. I mean, yeah, that's that's so recommended, so yeah. recommended. It was like towards the bottom of my list just because I've seen it so many times, and I figured that everybody else has to. Right. You know, but Old Boy, if you haven't seen it, see the original 2006. If you want to watch the Spike Lee version, do that too. You yeah, know? Do that too. <laughs> no. um, but I, I generally I would recommend to watch the original, the original. first. Yes, definitely. Uh, and then watch the Spike Lee version. If you want to watch, if you want to watch, <laughs> the like Spike that's, Lee yeah, version. that's uh-uh. um, the, there's uh, 
here's the thing about the Korean version mm-hmm. and what the Koreans nailed in that movie, the Korean filmmakers, mm-hmm. was that they made Odezu uh, a relatable character. They made him feel more. They made him feel human. Yeah, he's human. Uh, and they made him feel like, yeah, he was a destructive alcoholic, mm. but I identify with him because I've seen him suffering through this whole oh. fifteen years of being locked down. Mm. While the American version sort of makes him a, a hero, that makes him a badass hero uh. that doesn't have a moral struggle. He doesn't yeah. change throughout the movie. Yeah. Whereas Odaisu in the original movie. Uh, has an internal struggle that's so huge yeah. that after eating dumplings for 15 years, he goes back to every dumpling restaurant in the city to try to find the one where it came <laughs> every from. Every single so, one. <laughs> so that he could track down whoever yeah. was sending him dumplings the whole time. I mean, it's fucking demented and yeah, twisted and dark, and it I appreciate is. the shit out of it. Yeah. But that doesn't happen in the original movie nearly as intense as it happens in... in, in what, I mean, I mean the, way the remake, yeah. backwards. It doesn't yeah. happen in the remake as nearly as intense as it happens in the original movie yeah. because American filmmakers don't have that cultural, um, how do I say it? Cultural je ne sais quoi, I guess. Of, I like that word, <laughs> je ne sais quoi. Of, of doing subtlety. Mm. American filmmakers aren't good at subtlety. Not most of them, no. And foreign filmmakers really, really, really are. You know what? I don't, I don't, want, I don't even want to say that. I don't want to say mm-hmm. that American directors aren't good at subtlety. I want to say that American audiences aren't good at receiving subtlety. Because if yeah. American audience were good at receiving subtlety, then they would be on every movie ever because that's what the American public wants. Right. But they're only going to sell us what we decided that we want. Yeah, what we decided to spend money on. Yeah. That's yeah. pretty much true. But I mean, I agree with that. Yeah, because there might be, I don't want to down, like Edgar, Edgar Wright might be able to do subtlety at his finest. So that's yeah. not like his his uh, thing Trump he too. hangs his hat on, you know, but if that's what the audience want, then he can give it to you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the last one I have is this movie, no story. Fuck the story. Story does not matter. Itchy the Killer. <laughs> Itchy the Killer. 2001. It's a this co- is a Japanese Korean, movie, right? Yeah, Korean. Korean? Korean? Yeah. Uh, 2001, complete gore fest with brutal violence. Okay. That's how it is listed. A complete gore fest with brutal violence. I can dig it. Yes. I can dig it. That's, that's all there is. <laughs> that's all there is. It doesn't matter. You don't have to care about Itchy. You don't have to care about why his face is all stitched up and sliced up. You don't have to wonder how he got all this training to be able to kick everybody's ass. Nope. I mean, it's, it's, basi- it's basically like... um. I didn't see Expendables, but I'd imagine what that would be like without guns. <laughs> <laughs> you know? With no guns, no bombs. It's, like, a, it's a Korean slasher. Yeah, okay, just slasher. That's what it is, Korean slasher. It's, it's so good, though. But I, and I recommend that. Itch of the Killer, 2001. It's really interesting how one type of movie works in an American market mm-hmm. or is perceived a certain way in an American market, but then another country does a movie like it. And how that's perceived. Yeah. It's, it's incredibly, it's so cool. It is. For me. And, and and that's another thing that's my favorite thing about foreign filmmaking. Mm. Uh, in the example of Old Boy, you can see how two different cultures tackle the same story. Yeah. And how one works much better than the other. Yep. Uh, another film that I'm not going to spend too much time talking on, mm. uh, there's two. Okay. Uh, I'm pretty sure Enter the Void is a foreign film. Mm. I'm not quite sure, but I'm tagging it on as a mm. foreign film. Because it takes place in Tokyo. It takes place in Tokyo and okay. and it's not very it's not an, it's not very American or English movie. It's a foreign film. It feels like a foreign film. Mm. So I'm fact check me on that, leave it out in the comments. I don't care. Yeah. But I'm putting in the list, Enter the Void. All right. It's really, really good movie. It's about, a very good movie. Yeah, you've seen it. A lot of times, cool. yes. <laughs> so, yeah. It's it's a fucking trip. Yeah. Uh, some dude dies and he goes on a recollection mm-hmm. before going into the afterlife and being yep. reincarnated. Yep. 
uh, and he goes into how his death has affected the people around him mm-hmm. and all that. And it's a huge strip, and it's very interestingly cinematographic, cinematographically. Mm-hmm. That's a word. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that movie dives into that really, really well. It's it's a really good experimental movie. Mm-hmm. There's a movie, Irreversible, mm-hmm. uh, which That's is on a, Netflix. Uh, it's on Netflix. It Irreversible? is no Enter the Void is on Netflix. Irreversible, listen. Irreversible is the uh, the movie with the woman on the front of the cover. It's uh, all black and just just the woman on there. It says Irreversible on the top. Maybe. I don't know. I'm gonna look that up while you do this because I'm like I've seen both of those movies on Netflix. This is the this is the movie that has a really infamous rape scene in the Red Hall. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Is it Netflix? Okay. Well, it was five years ago at least. Okay, then it's not now. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that's another really great movie that it's really hard to watch, and you probably won't watch it um, a second time. Oh yeah, that is. Uh, that's a really really fucking great movie. It's yeah. a French movie, if I'm not mistaken. It is it's French. Um. Really, really good. Really interesting cinematography. Mm-hmm. And the way that they tell a story out of chronology mm-hmm. is just uh, it's so really good. beautiful. Yeah. It's, a, it's a fucked up story. Mm-hmm. And it makes you want to cry, really, like genuinely. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's, a good, it's a good movie. And it it's is. a good foreign film. It is. Those are just great. Yeah. Um, I think to close it off, because we're just about out of time. Mm-hmm. To close it off, foreign films are interestingly as cultural elements. Because mm-hmm. we have to experience the values that another culture places on their cinema and then we are to absorb those into our culture and i think that's a part that's really the power of foreign films yeah because american films are foreign to them sure and there's two dudes sitting in a podcast in japan talking about american films yeah as foreign films <laughs> as foreign films yeah um so really the foreign films are a great interchange of culture and it's it's beautiful it's a beautiful thing it is and I genuinely want to see more aspects of foreign filmmaking, more aspects of their storytelling and their mm-hmm. cinematography mm-hmm. leak their way into America. And we're getting some of that because we're getting a lot of, uh, what's the fucking guy that directed The, Re- the Revenant? Oh, shit. Alejandro something. Yeah, his name is Alejandro. Mm-hmm. I don't know his last name. Um, but those kind of filmmakers, we're getting Alejandro Corban. Uh, I saw, nope, keep going. Uh, <laughs> 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 no, 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 there's, there's two dudes. Uh, the dude that directed the Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban movie mm-hmm. uh, directed another foreign film that's on my list. So we are getting those tastes of foreign filmmakers sneaking their way into American culture and making movies for us. Yeah. For a market. And I think that's fucking fascinating. Alejandro Gonzalez. Alejandro Gonzalez. That's yeah. uh, the Revenant. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. no, It's just really exciting to see that happen. Because as more minorities come into America and they start breaking into the film industry which has been a topic of discussion for the last, what, six months, mm. uh, we start getting trails of those, uh, how do you say it? those filmmaking trades from other countries. And it's a beautiful thing. It's a really beautiful thing. Yeah. And I encourage any filmmaker to watch foreign films and learn from them as if they were watching David Fincher or Quentin Tarantino mm. or Edgar Wright. Learn from those movies because you will, I mean, they're fucking fascinating. Yeah. That's all I have to say. How about you? That is it. We went way over time already. I'm going to cut it right there. All right. Cheers. We'll be back for the premieres. It was a tough time for me, too. I just didn't give a shit about high school. I was just like, if if it weren't for the people that I went to prom with, Mm. I would have blown my head away in high school. Mm. I promise. (laughs) I had like my vocal coach is the only reason I didn't like kill myself or whatever. That's good. I'm yeah. glad he didn't. Otherwise, that podcast would have a hard time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> With me being on the air dead. <laughs> yeah. It's just like Weekend at Bernie's. It's just 
My just like holding <laughs> my girlfriend still says that Weekend at Bernie's Part Two was the better one. The better one. After he's like had rigor mortis in his body for over a year <laughs> and smells all to be damned. <laughs> Girlfriend's bananas. <laughs> That's why I beat her. That's she why. That's why I beat my girlfriend right there. She has an opinion, and you. Oh, I oh my God! There are so many things wrong with them. Oh, well, thankfully we weren't, we weren't recording any of that. So, oh God! <laughs> <laughs> I may have bad news for you, sir. Um, all, right, all right. Um, I we, guess we, we are obviously it. joking. <laughs> <laughs> Just in case Tumblr <laughs> wants to get on our tits, we were joking. We were joking. Yeah, uh, yeah. God damn it, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, premieres. Uh, premieres for um Sunday, June the twenty sixth. This is gonna be very, very short. So we're gonna we can yeah. fill in Tom to cover the rest of the ten minutes. Um, but the first one, Sunday, June the twenty sixth, the one hundred thousand dollar pyramid. Hundred thousand dollar pyramid. Is that coming back on Tully? It's coming back. It hasn't been around what? since like the 70s, 60s, That's weird, and 70s. Because I just saw Stephen Colbert reference that show. Yeah. Today. Nice. That's weird. Anyway, go I on. think not. No coincidence. <laughs> but it's coming back to ABC. Michael Strahan is going to be the host. And you, you remember the show was like they, they put a triangle on the top and then you have to no, um, answer questions. It. I have no idea what it is. Oh, man. But I, I reckon it's some sort of clue guessing game. It is. Okay. Like all games, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but um, one of my favorite, like. You know, I'm I'm all into television. Like I might be bigger about television than I even am about movies. Mm-hmm. And a lot, all of my favorite television personalities uh, used to go on that show, like Barbara Eden, Elizabeth Montgomery. Uh, these people from Bewitched and um, and I Dream of Jeannie. Okay. You know, like way before, twenty years before that. Oh, okay. You know, so all of these people they were on they were on television. And like I said, I've referenced it so many times before that I thought TV was real. Mm-hmm. So when I got to see them outside of a television aspect, mm-hmm. that Samantha Stevens isn't really a witch that can make her <laughs> nose move and and then right. make some stuff happen, and then see her as the real person and being announced on the show by your actual name and mm-hmm. not by your television name, right? It was it was just so odd to me. So I was like, just trying to see the difference between the person and the person that I was being presented on the television shows for every single person that came on. It was so odd to me. That's awesome. And, and even to this day, I sit and like, I record the show TMZ mm-hmm. all every single episode and it's just filth. It is just, just filth, filth and smut. There's no reason to watch anything like that, but I just enjoy seeing celebrities outside of the big screen. Right. I really like it. It's a, there's something fun about it. I agree. And and that's that's why I'll be watching the $100,000 pyramid. <laughs> you know, you go for it, man. Besides besides the fact that I, I loved game shows, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Jeopardy's awesome, Wheel of Fortune is awesome, you so know, all those shows right. like that. Price is right, my favorite of all time. <laughs> Bob Barker, rest his soul, may he rest in peace. I think he's so alive. Pets? Yeah. Oh, he, he's on his way out. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I just put the RIP in him, like, may he rest in peace as he lives in his uh, his Burbank house in California. Um, Swimming in coins. I guess I guess it's like that's not a bad thing. I mean, he's resting. Yeah. In peace. Yeah, he is. You know? It's just, or in pieces. Who the fuck knows? Oh, he's old. God, Bob Barker. <laughs> I love to meet Neuter him. your pets. Yes, yeah, sp- spay and neuter your pets. Do that <laughs> shit on behalf of Bob Barker. You know, I always thought it, it sounds so demented, but I always thought he was like going behind the uh, animals and fucking them himself. 
You know, he didn't want those regular animals and dogs to be fucking the other animals and dogs. So he would tell you to go have them spayed and neutered when he would just go right behind and go fuck the animals by himself. You don't think that's plausible? <laughs> that's a whole conspiracy. Maybe they were <laughs> How big do we have to be until we have to stop making jokes like that in order to not get sued? <laughs> I think we got a year. I think we got a year or so. I can call Bob Barker a possible animal fucker without anybody making a big deal about it. <laughs> At this point, if 27 people get riled up enough about it. That's what I'm saying. Like at this point, I'm just pushing my boundaries. I'm just pushing the boundaries to see where uh, I can go. Just to see what you can get away with. Because <laughs> I mean, it reminds me, I was in the calf and I rarely eat food at the school, mm-hmm. you know, because I'm always going to bring my own food. And I go there for breakfast and I was like, all right, this is my first time getting breakfast. Um, what can I get? And she was like, anything on the list. And I look on that list. And they have so many different things. So I was like, I would like a bacon, egg, and cheese biscuit. It's, God it, damn right I want yeah, a bacon, I was like, egg, it's, and cheese biscuit. It's like biscuit. noon or whatever. I'm like, can I get a bacon, egg, and cheese biscuit? She was like, yeah, you can. So she goes to scan. I'm like, no, 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 stop, 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 stop. I was like, all right, all right, all right. Could I have a double bacon, egg, and cheese biscuit? It's <laughs> like, like, I don't know what that is. I mean, I guess I could just like bring you up two eggs and two pieces of bacon. You know, just I, I got to know my limits. got to push the limits. If I don't know exactly how far I can go. There's, then... something, there's something beautiful about that statement. It's like, wait, 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 wait. Can I get a double bacon, a double and, egg bacon egg and cheese? Can we make that magic happen? Yes. You know, so I'm like, Bob Barker, yeah, he's a great guy. Maybe fucking animals. Can I say that? Nobody's telling me I can't. <laughs> you know, so you can have that. Not until we have a thousand listeners. Yeah. You know? They're be like, nah, you can't you can't say that shit anymore, bro. Like I don't <laughs> Watch us be sponsored by Bob Barker in like in like two years and then yeah. he sees this episode, it's like, fuck those guys. Yeah. Like, man, I, I knew them when they were back in the day, back when they used to claim that people were fucking animals and he was calling women bitches. I, <laughs> I knew them. I knew them back when. I knew them when they were assholes. <laughs> we were like all politically correct and toned down about everything at that point. Uh, but that's, uh, that's Sunday, June the 26th, the $100,000 pyramid on ABC at 9 p.m. Michael Strahan, do your thing. You know, he was on, um, what's the show? The Today Show, I guess, or... um. Love, I guess, yeah, it was called Love. It used to be with um with Regis and Kathy Lee. Oh, then sure. it went from Regis and Kelly, Kelly Ripper. Mm-hmm. Then it went from Kelly Ripper to Michael Strahan, and now it's Kelly Ripper and any random person they can get to sit beside her. <laughs> you know? It's like you, you, yes. the homeless guy peeing himself. Come, come yeah. on, yeah, I'm still peeing. No, it doesn't matter. Come on, come on up. <laughs> Just pee on your way. It's fine. Yes. But um, but yeah, Michael Strahan is doing an amazing job. He was doing such a great job with Kelly Ripa, and he decided to leave the show to go to um, Good Morning America. Mm-hmm. And she got pretty upset publicly about it that he didn't let her know about it beforehand. Right. You know, but the thing is, I went looking at it, and I was like, Good Morning America is owned by ABC. Uh, this show, The $100,000 Pyramid, owned by ABC. Right. Live is owned by ABC. ABC owned by Disney. Like, he doesn't have shit to say to you. Like, <laughs> Disney should have said some shit to you. But like, hey, we're pulling them off this show. We're putting them on two other shows that we own. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> or, or maybe just be a fucking professional. <laughs> yes. Yeah, do that. Because, I mean, she huffed and puffed and just didn't show up for work for right. a little while. Just, you know? Uh, like, come on. But anyway... Uh, that's Sunday, June the June the twenty sixth, hundred thousand dollar pyramid. Mm-hmm. Uh, next and the last show that's premiering this week is Sunday, June the twenty sixth, directly after at ten p.m. on ABC, the Match Game. The Match, another game show. Another oh, game show. show. Uh, no, this is a game show. Oh, okay. Uh, or is it? yes, it's a game. This is a oh, game okay. show. The Match Game. Or which, is it? You you have one guess to guess what the Match Game is about. 
Okay. Huh. Um, matching? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's about matching things. <laughs> I was so afraid you were going to disappoint me there. I was so afraid. I'm going to be very honest with you. So was I. That's great. So the fucking match game. Um, Alec Baldwin is uh, going to be the host. This show has been gone since 1990. So it's coming back. It'll be on the air. Wait, is that the 30 Rock Baldwin? Yep. 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 Cool. I don't even, I, I know one other Baldwin. The, it's Jack Baldwin. Um, I don't Alec even know Baldwin and Jack mm. Baldwin. Mm. That's the thing. I always get them fucking confused because I, I don't know what either of them. There's four brothers. There's four, really? there's four brothers. All of them work. In um, the industry? In yes. The all of them are actors. Oh. Uh, Stephen Baldwin is the, the one that I know the best. He was in, uh, most recently, he was in uh, e-cigarette commercials. The blue commercials. That are, they're all in black and white. And right. he's smoking blue e-cigs or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's uh, Stephen Baldwin. Alec Baldwin, 30 Rock. Jack Baldwin. I don't know. A lot of his work. Then I do I. I think he's done commercials. Uh, then Alan Baldwin, I think, is a fourth. There's four brothers, but yeah, they all. Just start a, a, <laughs> a burger shop and call it Bald Burgers. Bald Burgers. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Just rip off the Mark Wahlberg brand. The Fuck whole it. thing. The whole uh, thing. So what's in movies? Oh, uh, that's that's it for television. Yeah, um, movies. Um, two movies that I don't know if I'll be seeing, but I've been hearing a lot about Independence Day. Right, I'm not gonna be watching Independence not, Day. No, not gonna be watching it no. at all. This, this is what happened. This is what, what I wrote down because you know we're both into directors. You know, whenever I see a new movie that's coming mm-hmm. out, I seen his name is a uh, Ronald Emmerich. Same guy from the first one. Nope. Okay. Not only that, because that's that's what I was like. If it was the same guy, then you know what? I'll give you a shot because mm-hmm. I respect what you did on your first work. I clicked on his name on IMDb and I looked down the list to see if there was anything notable that I recognized. Mm-hmm. Not one thing. Nothing. Nothing. Yeah. Nothing from his 15-year career. I, I didn't notice anything. I mean, maybe he's a very good director, but I just know none of his work. Yeah, none there's no it. reason to like give him a shot. No. No. I mean, unless I'm into like starring Liam Hemsworth and Jeff Goldblum. I already don't care. Yeah. I, mean, I love Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> yeah. I love The Fly. But Liam Hemsworth, I mean, he doesn't do anything for me. Uh, well, here's here's my problem with this movie in particular. Mm-hmm. It's it's a rehash of the problem of intellectual properties. Mm-hmm. Hollywood is rehashing intellectual properties left and fucking right. Over and over. Because original movies are a huge risk. Mm-hmm. But the reason they're a huge risk is because they don't they studios don't, don't give the marketing budget to mm-hmm. original movies mm-hmm. that these intellectual property rehashes yeah. are getting. Yeah. So original movies are kind of like, well, how the fuck do we get people to watch our movie if you don't give us money to market it? Yep. And then the studios are like, nah, fuck you. Yeah. It's a catch-22. It's completely uh, fucked. It's, it's awful. And, and this is why I refuse to watch uh, intellectual properties. Mm-hmm. I refuse to pay for them if they're rehashes. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of like... The only exceptions would be Star Wars. Okay. I would pay to go watch the Star Wars movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, I really, really hate intellectual property rehashes okay. that are just playing on the nostalgia factor of people that are 30 yeah. <laughs> right now. Yeah, it, it is. It pisses me off because movies like American Ultra uh, mm-hmm. get mismarketed. And even though they're good movies, 
they get mismarketed so, and they get fucked up. So you have to understand, like, what, two weeks ago, while I was so pissed off, like you said, they're 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 make they're rehashing these movies for people that are thirty. Mm-hmm. So when fifteen years ago, when those people were fifteen, mm-hmm. you know, we were giving them this movie, and now we're just going to give it to them all over again. Right, but and worse. I'm, <laughs> but worse. But I'm saying I've been dealing with Tony Stark since I was like in my early twenties. <laughs> you know, what I'm saying like the Iron Man one was it was a good little while ago, man. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and now I'm thirty one years old, and I'm still getting the same thing. Iron Man. I'm not. Yeah. I'm. I've. I've grown up. Iron Man mm-hmm. is not. And yeah. it's like you know what I'm saying. But and, and it was. I loved that back then. But you know. But it's like I'm not the same person, and I can't look at it the same way that I did back then. Yeah. Well, that's why those movies are made almost yearly. Yeah. 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 Together yeah. with the fact that maybe they're not changing so much. They're not. <laughs> but that's yeah. uh that's Independence Day is uh, listed as sci-fi PG-13. Mm-hmm. Um, Liam Hemsworth, Jeff Goldblum, Bill. Pullum, Pullman and Mackay Monroe. Don't know who that and is. And by the way, I just want to say that just because I shit on it in property rehashes, if you enjoy the movie, fucking go see it. Oh, but yeah. also fucking yeah. go see original movies, please. <laughs> yes. Yes. Go see movies. Support yeah. movies. Oh, yeah. Uh, the last one is The Shallows, starring Blake Lively. That's a horror movie, right? Uh, it says a mere 200 yards from shore, surfer Nancy is attacked by a great white shark. Oh. When her short journey to safety becoming the ultimate contest of will. Uh, it's a drama horror. Uh, right. listed at PG-13. Uh, uh, I've seen the name Blake Lively. Like, these are the only two um, uh, national releases that aren't limited. Mm-hmm. They're going to be everywhere. So, I mean, Blake Lively, Do I, has she been in anything, like, notable? Like, large movies? Um, she, was in a, she was in a couple of romantic comedies in mm-hmm. the early 2000s. That's I all I can think of. I mean, it only when I hear the name, I think... Attractive white girl. Yeah. That's you know. That's, I mean, blonde. That, I mean, I don't. I don't know of her work at all. Right. Yeah. None of her work. Yeah. There's mm-hmm. a lot of there's a lot of actors and actresses that are like that. Mm-hmm. Liam Liam Hensworth for me is one. Same of those thing. He's a Blake Lively. Yeah. He's he's a the male version. His of His name Blake could be Blake Lively. It could be. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. It actually yeah. could be. And like they're good actors, but they're just they just have a limited sort of range, and because they're they're like blank slates. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I guess that's, uh, that covers it. Uh, Finding Dory released this weekend, which I'm excited about. Yeah, I'm going to have to see that. Yeah. I'm going to have to see that. Um, but anyway, we, uh. Real quick, real quick, real quick. All right. This should have been, I should have said something about this at the very beginning. And we only have 30 seconds left, so I'm just going to let it be known right now. Do it, do it, motherfucker, do it. We, I live in an area where there's chickens. Chickens that surround my house. My neighbors have at least three roosters, numbers (laughs) of chickens and hens. I left out this morning to go to class, and all of the chickens and roosters and hens were loose. Oh, all shit. of them, bro. In the neighborhood? In the neighborhood. Oh, like, in my fuck. cul-de-sac at the very end of the street, all the chickens were loose. So, I, t- <laughs> I took my phone out, and it's like, I just seen one chicken. So, I started recording that chicken. Then, I seen a second one. Then, a third. So, after, by the time I got to the third, I cut the camera off. I look around. There's chickens everywhere. I'm like, where the fuck do I live at? <laughs> you know? That, that's, that's all I had, though. That's all it's I like had. those moments of, like, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. All right, guys. Thank you so much for watching. Uh, sorry, the beginning of the episode is a bit of a bummer, um, but hope you like the episode. Thank you. Yes. Cheers. <laughs> uh, again, we are on SoundCloud, Google yes. Play, yes. Google Play Music app, yes. and the iTunes Podcast app. Yes. And you can find us on there for film's sake. And subscribe. Leave us comments. Please mm. interact with us. Yes. And we are on Twitter at under no, at underscore FFS podcast. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. Fuck yeah! Nail the hell out of that outro. All the way you did. See you, motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs>